Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I'm your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern responsible for breaking McDonald's ice cream machines. Codename Legion Cubs. You son of a bee! It's summertime. What better time for our evil plan? You were the worst. You're worse than uh, Professor Chaos. <laughs> uh, you can uh, check out the Instagram account that we have. That that went in a different direction than I was expecting for the <laughs> listeners there. Um, <laughs> we're, we're doing a weird format tonight, so, so bear with me. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. Uh, on Instagram, I've been throwing up lately it's been pictures of early 2000s gi joe real american hero stuff so you've been getting stuff like the the black serpentor and the uh more subdued color tripwire but i'm just throwing them up there and it's 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 name that joe name that cobra obviously we know who tripwire is we know who Serpentor is. I'm just having fun with it, throwing up little pictures from my collection. Uh, and I will be switching up eras. As a matter of fact, I threw up the uh, one of the Super 7 figures the other day just as a, a fun something different. So uh, check out Audible Interlude Podcast. And we also will repost news and stuff like that. Uh, I, I like Instagram. Twitter, if you have something you want to let us know, tweet us. Uh, at G.I. Joe Audible, and we'll get the notification. But I'm not, I don't love the Twitter. I just don't, it's not my favorite thing ever. But it's, but it is a way that uh, you listeners can get in touch with us. Uh, you can also check out the Needless Things YouTube channel, toy reviews, uh, sometimes four days a week, usually Monday and Wednesday. And once there are new Joe toys to be reviewed, they will be reviewed there. Uh, and we are now four times a month, uh, twice a month. You're going to get news twice a month. You're going to get entertainment, which is what we're doing right now. So it is time to go ahead and kick things off with instruments of destruction. And now it's time for Instruments of Destruction, where we take a look at G.I. Joe vehicles across all their forms of media and toys. So today, I want to travel back, all the way back to 1983, and take a look, at least for me, what was the centerpiece vehicle uh, of my collection the dragonfly xh1 assault copter so this was like i said first released in 1983 uh it came with a driver wild bill which we'll get into um it was also sold in 1984 1985 discontinued in 1986 uh so 
this copter for for so my brother got um like the mobat and like the how a lot of the the ground weapons uh for me what stood out about the dragonfly was at least for the vehicles we had at the time it could hold more figures than anything else that we had you had wild bill you had the co-pilot seat and then the struts on the helicopter also had pegs to hold figures um, so even more so than it being just an attack copter uh, was the fact that you could fly a whole army of Joes in on the attack. So when it comes to being an attack copter, you had six missiles, you had the nose turret, um, you had the side gun, you had... Uh, I consider this a weapon, and, and I don't know if you guys uh, had this or not, but the, the hook and winch, uh, for me, was rarely ever used to actually save Joe's. It was a <laughs> lower it down and let it plow through Cobra. I tried to use mine as, a, as an actual you know, tool, but these uh, <laughs> their own. We all had our own yeah. ways of playing. I wanted it to carry vehicles, which, mm. you know, as as a young seven, eight, whatever year old, I didn't understand that it was unlikely that this helicopter would be carrying a, a vamp or even an armadillo around. But I, I would always hook the the winch or the, the hook through like the the support bars, the vamp or the back of the armadillo or whatever. And it would be carrying, it would be deploying vehicles. Well, I really, especially in 1985, when the tactical battle platform came out and it had those four hooks on it. One, like, four dragonflies. That's when I dreamed of having four dragonflies oh, so I man. could lift that thing up and move it around. But I'm pretty sure the dragonfly was not even on the shelves anymore in 85. And it was a year before we got the next helicopter. So it was a missed opportunity there. No, it's it said it was uh, in 84, 85 and discontinued in 86. So okay. I mean, it was still, so still around, around 86. But but let's be frank, none of us were getting four dragonflies. No, because it was probably what 14.99 at the time no. and that was a fortune. 8.99. 8.99. 8.99 <laughs> for this incredible toy which we haven't even talked about the rotors. No. That that action, it's like off the top of my head, this would be a top five most fun toy just for that little thumb activator that turned the rotors. Like, because I did that, there was no like just flying the dragonfly around. If, if I was using it, I was using that little gray thumb thing to make those rotors go. And mine, I don't know about you guys, um, but mine never broke or anything like my for, to, to until the day i put it in a box for it to sadly go up in the attic and be destroyed by georgia summer heat uh my rotors al always worked like that mechanism never like wore out or broke or anything mine i think eventually went out um and i've had a couple of other ones that i've gotten secondhand uh in the ensuing years and none of them ever really worked properly 
Um, but but it was a it was great to have that action feature when I was a kid because I certainly did get did get you know my eight ninety nine worth of it uh, flying that thing around and flipping those rotors. Oh, 100%. And, and as Christian said, the fact that you could get two people in the cockpit and then those pegs uh, on the uh, runners, mm-hmm. that was everything. And I want to say the one guy, because when I visualize the dragonfly, gung-ho is always on one of the runners. Like, he was always a guy that was hanging on to the side. Cause he was in my head. He was the toughest Joe. He was the guy <laughs> who was always down to just scrap and fight and get into trouble. But I cannot remember. I don't, even though airborne is kind of the logical choice to be the co-pilot. I can't remember if I had a regular co-pilot or if I just stuck whoever was going on the mission. No, I never had an airborne as a kid, so that that would have made that oh, difficult because no. he definitely was the one that should have been in that seat. Right, he's the logical choice. Now, here's my question: Did your Wild Bill sit in the front seat, or did he sit in the rear seat? My Wild Bill sat in the front seat, but as we saw in the comics and I think the cartoon as well, he sat in the the back seat. Yep. Is that so, an accurate thing to helicopters? So this particular type of helicopter, your navigator sits in the front and your oh. and your pilot sits in the back. And so early on, I think it may have even been my dad that showed me that. So I was uh, Wild Bill always sat in my back seat and it was I was kind of justified. Now it's it varies because you see some of the official art like the box art shows him in the front seat. Right. Um, but there is some other official artwork where he is in the backseat, not just in the comics and cartoons. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that the sticker placement, um, you're supposed to put the William Hardy sticker on the back and not oh. the front. And you know what's interesting about the box art is the scaling is way off on the box art. The mm-hmm. dragonfly is, or, or I guess... Well, the dragonfly appears much smaller than it actually is because if you look at that box art, Wild Bill and Airborne are huge. Mm-hmm. So it actually looks like a much smaller vehicle than it really is. Um, yeah, I, I remember, and I, we talked about it when we did the Sky Striker. My dad went into much detail about the Sky Striker, but I don't remember a lot of conversations about the dragonfly, which is odd because I he he is a. He is a helicopter fan, mm-hmm. but I don't specifically remember anything about this. You know what else I loved about this? The little red rubber things on the rotors. <laughs> you know, I don't know they, why. They didn't want you to put your eye out. I, I just, for whatever reason, those little, those little caps, those rubber caps that went on the ends of the rotors, I loved just the tactile sensation of those things. Yeah. I loved so- how the, the gun... Um, the machine gun uh, underneath the cockpit served a dual purpose because you put your figure figures feet in there as well. So yes, yes. So if that thing fell out, you had some little dangly feet hanging out of the bottom of it. Your... Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the, that side mounted gun. Yeah. For some reason, seemed so cool with the tubes that came up and connected. I don't. That also was just a little feature that I was like, oh, that looks so cool. Yeah, that was, was like the first thing that got lost. Yeah. 
I also love the fact that it, you know, that it had this kind of asymmetrical tail that did not have a rear rotor because, you know, helicopters always had rear rotors when I was a kid. Right. Yeah, you're right. That is interesting. That's something I really haven't thought about. It made it almost seem kind of airwolfy, which, by the way, we do have to explain or, or have to uh, give context that in the 80s, we had Airwolf mm-hmm. and we had Blue Thunder. Yep. And you even had the Riptide one, too. Yeah, yes. Helicopters. Well, and uh, from Magnum PI, what's his name? T- TC? TC, yeah. TC and Magnum had PI. Little, yeah, had that, that little cool bubble helicopter. nose, like little bell helicopter. Like helicopters, for whatever reason, had a particularly cool place in pop culture in the 80s. I mean, I was I was obsessed with like Apache copters. My, my favorite video game was Gunship, which I played on my Commodore 64, where you just flew around an Apache copter, uh, you know, completing military missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because um, they had moved past that bubble cockpit design of the you know 60s and 70s and became sleek mm-hmm. but yeah this it, is in, in so, profile this is a really like cool cool looking vehicle and so you actually had a button that you could push which would spin the rotor and that was one of the other things that as a kid i loved about this like i said my brother got the mobat tank and you put the batteries in it and you know it moved and it very slowly moved across the ground right like this it had an action feature that was realistic to what the vehicle was you know there wasn't like that typical 80s you know no attack sound like you got from the star wars toys like you just you push this button and those blades would Bend. they moved yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't it wasn't a slow rotation it was you actually with every push of that uh lever button whatever the heck it is you gained momentum yeah so the more you pushed that thing the faster those blades went it wasn't a consistent slow spin like you could build up speed and, and it was just a fun, rewarding toy experience. Yeah. And until I was looking up information after I had decided I wanted to talk about this, I did not know that the later, the, the 84 and 85 version, the front turret gun did not elevate. It only turned side to side. See, mine only turned side to side. Yeah, mine only turned side to side. Oh, no. So mine, it turned side to side, but the actual gun barrels moved up and down. I actually think I was was made aware of that at some point in time. And now I feel like I've been, I was, you know, I was ripped off as a kid because I didn't have one that went up and down. So I didn't, I didn't know that other versions existed because this, this was a toy that was very, very loved and it, it survived when we moved from Indiana to Kentucky, it did not survive when we moved from one farm to the other. Uh, the, so the post that the, the rotor is on is metal. Um, and yes. unfortunately, due to a box crushing, 
the metal got bent. That's like my mamba that I was talking about. Like one of the metal rods is actually bent just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, no, this one kind of got bent. <laughs> Almost at a 90 degree angle. Not oh, no. Quite. Yeah, it was it. It was done. You could not use it uh, anymore. Um, and it was it was soul crushing at the time because I loved this helicopter. It's a fa- it's a fantastic toy. It's great. It, it it has play value. It has carrier troops and your stuff around value. It looks cool. It has so many different between the cockpit and the missiles and everything else. Like it has so many things to just fiddle with and play with. It, it's a fantastic toy and it had a massive presence in the media. Yeah. Well, and as well as its pilot, when you think of other G.I. Joe vehicles, you know, think of the Sky Striker, Ace. He, How he much was, did he appear? People he were, other there. people were always piloting the Sky Strikers. Same thing with most of the Cobra vehicles, but Wild Bill, uh, uh, maybe it's me, but you know, he appears in a lot of the media. He yeah. had multiple action figures, even in the later years where they just made Wild Bill. Yep. Well, he was definitely one of the more like colorful, in- interesting characters, uh, especially like with the Sunbow cartoon. Yeah. You know, like, to me, he's a core Joe. Yeah. Yeah. He's- yeah. And he's one that like you kind of look at him and and this is another thing I love about this vehicle is it's it is very like military realistic. It's it's not like bright orange. It is a it's a military green. It is a futuristic like experimental style vehicle. It's not based on any single real world vehicle vehicle, but it's but it looks like something that you would see actually being used in combat. And Wild Bill, although he does have this cowboy motif he still has like traditional military uh, mm-hmm. colors in his uniform. So he's, he's not like so outlandish that you're like, Oh, that's just cartoony. And, and of course he's based on um, uh, what's his name? A character from um, apocalypse. Now that's what I was just looking up. Um, yeah. I can't remember the character's name, but, but absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. And it's this is Wild Bill. I mean, minus the mustache, but he's got the cavalry hat. Yeah, like that's a hundred percent what this is. What Wild Bill is. And Larry Hama based his characterization on one of his friends. So that's one of the reasons why I think Larry used him so much in the uh, in the comic books. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned it was in, it was in all of the media. It was in the Sunbow cartoons. It was in the Marvel comic. It's it's appeared everywhere it's in the video games like this is and and again i think it's because helicopters are just they're cool but especially as toys a helicopter is going to be a good toy period Mm -hmm. like a jet you can make a jet and it can be dull you can make a tank and it can be dull but a helicopter is going to be cool like nine times out of ten as a toy because those those blades those rotors they're going to spin on every toy helicopter mm-hmm. you get that yep. you know later on in gi joe we got the whole uh air patrol or whatever what was it with the little uh the little personal helicopters <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> sky patrol, yeah, sky sky patrol. patrol. <laughs> like and it's because 
the concept of helicopter is just fun. It just lends itself to being a toy. It automatically has an action feature. Right. It's just inherent to it being a toy. Right. Whether it has a little switch to turn the blades or not, you have that motion and you have that fun element. Well, and even as a as a 47-year-old man, um, when I put together a Lego set, uh, I put the wheels on the car. The first thing I do is I spin those wheels. Yes. When I put the blades on a helicopter on a toy, I spin those blades. It's just something that I do without thinking about it anytime I put a moving piece uh, on a toy. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's just fun. So we've so got it. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, go, you go because of that. mine mine is wrap up. So, oh, OK, well, I just wanted to, to touch on real quick. So for the international releases, uh, it was released from 1985 through 1987 as part of Action Force uh, in Brazil. It was released. Uh, and called Jet Coptero de Combate, which is a totally kick butt name. Yes. <laughs> um, like, legit, I really like it. Um, and in Japan, it the notes here on Yocho say that it commonly included Wild Bill as the pilot. However, there are variations that included Stalker or Clutch. Hmm. So I'd be interested to uh, so I wonder be, what the ratio there was. It would be perfectly reasonable to have Stalker or Clutch as your co-pilot rather than <laughs> Airborne. I, uh, I will say this too. This is one really cool thing about this vehicle is it tied in with other vehicles or with other other like vehicles and play sets in the line because there was a helicopter pad on the 83 G.I. Joe headquarters. There's one on the tactical battle platform. Um, of course, you had the flag in 85. So this had interactive play value with a lot of your other vehicles. And that wasn't necessarily something that every G.I. Joe vehicle had. Yeah. Yeah. And they were pretty good about that. Uh in the beginning, they did have the, you know, you had the howl that could be towed around by the Mobat or the Vamp. You had, like, they would do things like that. But you're right, the the Dragonfly, I mean, you know what? That's another cool thing about helicopters is they can kind of go anywhere. Like, mm -hmm. they immediately mm -hmm. just go up and down. And I think that was part of the decision to make the Rattler a VTOL jet is it didn't need that runway. It didn't need the space. It could kind of be anywhere at any time. And that's what makes the Dragonfly so cool is it 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 drops in it does its thing it drops it goes back out like yep. it's just simple up and down it can be compatible with any environment it's very versatile uh so speaking of versatility we got some other iterations of the dragonfly uh 1988 we got the tigerfly not yes. the best name ever but a beautiful repaint uh and and honestly one of the more reasonable tiger force vehicles in my opinion because i yeah. could i could really like this this looks right with that mouth on the front uh the tiger striping it just this looks as right as any tiger force vehicle looks i love all the tiger force vehicles much more than a lot of the tiger force figures um but yeah this is definitely a, an a plus as far as design cues go 
Now, did either one of you guys have this? No, no, no. I was I out of GI Joe by eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was done by eighty-eight as well. Uh, and then we had for Street Fighter the movie, we had the Hella Fighter, <laughs> uh, where it got a little bit of difference in the cannons. It's the box art is quite frankly terrible. Yeah. Uh, I would be curious to see the actual product. I'm sure we could look it up online right now if we really wanted to, but I, I don't care that much. The one that I do care about is the one that I have hanging from my ceiling over here that I got up just a minute ago to see if the guns, because I couldn't remember if the guns on the turret on this one pivoted, and they do. Uh, so like you were talking about, Christian, uh, on the Locust, which was released, the Assault Copter Locust XH1, which was released in 2000, and is a, I guess, desert version of the Dragonfly. It's a tan color. Uh, the guns on the, the chin turret do pivot up and down. Uh, otherwise, it's pretty much identical to the Dragonfly. It's got those same great rubber tips on the the rotors uh and this one it's a really nice looking helicopter but i i don't love the tan as much as i love the green i think it could have used some maybe a gradient on it maybe maybe a, like a light camo pattern to break it up a little bit because it is a very dull just or, or some tan. some white on the underbelly like if it kind of yeah. went like just something it, it is the pictures that I've seen. Maybe it looks different in person, but it looks like it is a duller yet more white color tan than, say, the the tan the desert uh, vamp mark two. If yeah, it was well, like that same almost, color, I would almost call this color Caucasian. Yeah, like that's how dull and un uninteresting it is and if it was the same color as that vamp mark ii it would be much cooler but it's this bizarre because now that you say it i'm looking at the photos the the it, black tip on the front of it like all i'm seeing is is yeah it's some it kind is of, this of weird washed out flesh tone mm -hmm. or, or caucasian flesh tone it's it's very odd that now I'm sitting here looking at it and I kind of just want to paint it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that the original Dragonfly is something that I do need to add to my collection. And hopefully I will be able to do that at Joe Fest later this month where we will be appearing and doing a live episode of Audible Interlude. Uh, all right, fellas, any more thoughts about the Dragonfly? Top tier, top tier vehicle. Absolutely. This is a must have. This is if, if you were only going to have, well, I, for me, if I was only going to have five GI Joe vehicles, this would be one of them. And you're going to pay a little bit for it on the second. Well, everything is secondary market now, obviously. You're going to pay a little bit for one now if you want it in decent condition because the rotors get bent up. Uh, pieces are missing or broken. Uh, you're, you're, I think this is probably a hundred plus dollar item if you want one. Finding one with the mechanism still intact to spin the blades is, is going to be tough too. Yeah. 
So I'm I'm gonna be on the hunt for one of these at Joe Fest though for sure. All right, guys. Well, that was an excellent pick. One of the greatest GI Joe vehicles slash toys of all time. Let's move on to our next segment. <laughs> Welcome to America's Elite, where we pick one G.I. Joe character and take a look at all of the different iterations of figures and uh, releases that it has seen throughout time. This month, it is my pick, and in celebration of the classified figure that will be in our hands sometime in the next decade, I have chosen Dr. Mindbender. This was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Obviously, the purple appeals to me very much, but the insanity of a dentist turned interrogator with no shirt and a big cape and a a monocle monocle. and a giant (laughs) mustache. And like everything about this guy is absolutely preposterous. But this is, to me, this is my flavor of G.I. Joe villain. I, I love Dr. Mindbender. Uh, however, I will say this when I was a kid, I was a little frustrated that we had him and not Dr. Venom. And I still kind of don't understand the old, this is my only reasoning for why Hasbro didn't give us a Dr. Venom is that in this format, in this O-ring aesthetic, a lab coat would just never have looked right. And to this day, I don't really know how you do a Dr. Venom like this, or if Super 7 wanted to do a reaction Dr. Venom, it it would be interesting to see how that was executed. But we're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about Dr. Mindbender. Fantastic figure, purple, silver, iron, steel, whatever it is, cod piece, steel suspenders. Where do you come up with steel suspenders? Uh, I had Mindbender as a kid. I was very excited to get him. He came out in 1986. Uh, He was, let's scroll down, $2.35 at retail. And I think what I liked about him is that he looks evil. There's no doubting that this is a bad guy. Yeah. So... As kids, now, obviously, as we've all grown up, people have kind of developed different thoughts about this character design. But as kids, what did you guys think about Dr. Mindbender? I loved him. He was, again, just the most perfect-looking villain character that you could possibly imagine. He looked tough because he was all buff and shirtless and sinister because of the mustache and the bald head and had like all the cool accessories with your with your cape and your cod piece and <laughs> the and the wacky boots um yeah i mean and this you know this was towards the you know 86 87 were the last couple of years that i actually collected any gi joe stuff but um i was i was hardcore into the especially the cobra characters around this time and he was he was definitely one of my must-haves for 86 yeah i as far as the design goes, I know when I was younger, I didn't get the whole shirtless thing. 
to me, he looked incredibly evil. Growing up on a farm, the electric prod, I know just how, what that does. And knowing that he was into torture, it, it was almost like his bio card made him even more of a villain in my mind than what the look of the figure or the cartoon did. Um, but as I've gotten older, I absolutely appreciate kind of the insanity of the figure because yeah, he's just this BDSM villain guy that just wants to hurt everybody. I mean, he he very you look at this guy and you think sadist. Absolutely. <laughs> and what's interesting is, you know, obviously when I was a kid, the well, the cape, the soft goods cape, I thought was just the coolest thing ever, especially with that big silver logo on the back, the Cobra logo on the back. The pistol, we know what a pistol is. I don't know if as a kid I really understood what the prod and generator business was mm. like I we've established I love hoses I'm all about the hoses <laughs> but that I don't I don't know that I totally got what the prod and the generator were supposed to be and I don't I'm not sure I remember really playing with those Huh. See, yeah, I, I grew up around electric them. fences and cattle prods, so <laughs> that the pistol was pointless. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if I used it really with its intended purpose, but I did use him as an interrogator. You know, I was I did have him torturing people, so there's a chance I probably was using that prod and just not really understanding what its purpose was. Yeah, I he he was definitely like when Joe's got captured, they got brought to Doctor Mindbender, but I think he just like yelled at them. <laughs> I don't I don't know that I actually had him like zapping people. I'm not I'm not positive. My memory's a little fuzzy on that front. Uh, I also so he, though, of course, because he was a an orthodontist, I could only think of Little Shop of Horrors. And Steve Martin's character, uh, who wanted to cause pain, so it made sense to me that a that a dentist would turn into uh, you know this this terrible interrogator that likes to torture people. Oh well, of course, yeah. No, well, and that I mean that is the one part of his character that is a hundred percent realistic and believable is is that he has something to do with with uh, dentistry and wants to cause pain because literally nobody actually enjoys going to the dentist <laughs> like even if you know your teeth are in good shape nobody wants to go to the dentist nobody's excited about that nobody wants to see that person uh so th i mean this striking figure it, it's trademark villain 86 uh and we mentioned the cobra logo on the cape on the soft goods cape but he also has it on the back of his suspenders which, what a bizarre, interesting little touch to add. Kind of unnecessary, but there it is. And it's sculpted in. It's not just, like, printed or whatever. So we got to see, uh, he, obviously, he was huge in Sunbow. He was in the comics. Uh, he appeared in 
tons of the media, very versatile character because yes, he's an interrogator, but he's also a scientist. He's also an evil genius. He also receives mental messages from globulus. Like you could do so many things with Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> and then later on, we would see other versions of Dr. Mindbender. Uh, no, I feel like maybe you've got a little extra insight into the second version of Dr. Mindbender. Um, I mean, not really any more than anybody else probably would. Well, I know so... that it was part of the Battle Corps line, which was essentially just that was what they called the main line of G.I. Joe at that time. Um, and he's very yellow. <laughs> <laughs> this is when my younger brother was collecting G.I. Joe. Okay. So this was his Dr. Mindbender. Uh, this is Dr. Mindbender after he's experimented on himself a little too much <laughs> because he's got like the cybernetic eye. Um, he's got like yeah. a Lobot Borg thing. Right. Yeah. Like the eyepiece connects to this bigger thing that goes all the way around his head. Um I actually like this design quite a bit. Well, okay, so a lot of the figure, because I I was definitely out by 93, but since we've been doing the show and since I've been looking uh, at more Joe than what I grew up with, a lot of the designs from the 90s, I really, really like the figure. I just don't like the colors. And I think if you took this design and subdued the colors a little bit, I really like the idea that, like you said, Mindbender has kind of experimented on himself. See, I didn't like that that didn't translate down really into any of the rest of the figure. So he's wearing a purple shirt and then he has just 90s overload of straps and uh, shoulder guard. The but also and and maybe this isn't Doctor Mindbender's fault. <laughs> All those figures that came out just had the same plastic sprig with all those same oh weapons. yeah 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 now, so yeah. there he was no be... cattle prod there were no torture devices he just got a buttload of guns are, are you telling me that lightning bolt shaped machete is not a torture device <laughs> compared to I... an electric prod with a generator i feel like you you're a kid let's say we no, were he's he's taking that knife to hot topic because every cut <laughs> equals love let's say we were 10 years younger than we are so in 1993 we're six seven eight years old so i'm looking at this pistol i'm looking at this laser gun I'm looking at this rifle. These are all different weird torture devices that he uses. He's got this knife. Like, to me, as a kid, this Mindbender works. And as an adult, you take this purple and yellow and you turn this into, like, black and a, a, a black and a red and a silver, maybe. You, you make these colors a little bit darker 
And this figure, I think, really works as a different iteration of Mindbender. I, I like this design. I mean, I, I can see it is the logical progression of Dr. Mindbender. He couldn't just be uh, the, the shirtless guy with the cape forever. Um, and I do like the like the cybernetic kind of enhancements on the on the head. Um, but uh, yeah, there's something about that. It's not just the color scheme. It's just like, I don't know. It's the it's the the molding on the, the upper torso that I'm just not crazy about. I, and I do. If you look at the card art. He's doing a very odd pose that usually is reserved for women in 90s comics. <laughs> yes. And he's he's farting out driller yes. gun shoots <laughs> for some odd reason. What what kind of placement is that for your feature burst? Very strange. You know what? I'll I'll tell you right now. If I found this figure complete at Joe Fest, I would buy it. I I I, I'm not crazy about the colors, but I like this figure. I I want this Mindbender in my collection. I'm not going to. You lie. know what? If you gave it, yeah. If you gave him just some like weapons from one of the original Joe Battle Packs, he might be salvageable. <laughs> I just think that him having the exact same weapons that every other character in that wave has, like. Because yeah, yeah like I said, that, that's, that's what fair, my brother was fair. collecting at the time. I just can't get past it that there's other than just a figure itself, there is n- not anything special. Well, that's, good that's news fair. for you, by the way, that you can get this figure sealed on card for around forty dollars plus shipping on eBay. Oh, baby, <laughs> I'm in. I'm hunting this down. <laughs> Uh, this one is thirty four ninety nine or best offer plus five ninety five shipping. I am best offer. A, tell them ten bucks. I'm gonna best offer twenty five and see what happens. You <laughs> never know. You never know. All right. So next up in two thousand two, and I have this in a box in the other room. Uh, we have Doctor Mindbender version three, the Cobra Master of Mind Control. He was included with Beachhead, which is probably my least favorite version of Beachhead. But weird proportions aside, I like this Mindbender design. Uh, he's got the he's he's not completely shirtless. He has a like a Johnny Depp pirate style open shirt with a gigantic cobra medallion. Now, this is how he appeared in the Spy Troops movie that we recently reviewed. Where he has like a strange not European accent. Yeah, I, we we still we we never quite explained that, uh, and that's okay. Uh, but we he's got a big purple open shirt. He's got these gauntlets on his forearms that I could do without, but that was a thing back then. Uh, and from the waist down, the colors are different, but it's kind of similar to the original figure design. Uh, but that that uh, portrait, you've got. A, uh, like a, a Lemmy mustache going on <laughs> but he does have the monocle back uh, and is, is definitely evil looking he has think, his it looks like his pants are hiked up to his nipples too on this figure well that's that's just really his, short torso that's his wide belt villains <laughs> like a nice wide <laughs> belt uh, uh, and, and plus you gotta think 
He originally came out in 86. This is 2002, <laughs> you know, which it's years later. He's getting a little bit older. We all know that gut. There's only so much you can do about the gut as you age. So he's like, you know what? I'm adding a shirt and I'm adding a nice wide belt to my look to, to sort of cover up what, what the ravages of age are doing to my normally manly chiseled body. I just, I need to get me a giant, like gold pendant of a Cobra symbol and hang that, it around my neck. That medallion is outrageous. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he also well, has run around with an open shirt. You need a giant medallion to deflect any bullets that get shot your way. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. It's shielding. Uh, Destro he had comes... a big red ruby, and and Mindbender's got a giant cobra medallion. Yes. Yeah. If you're a villain, you have to accessorize. And speaking of accessories, he comes with a nicely sculpted cape. It's got like a dynamic. This is plastic rather than soft goods, but it's got a nice dynamic sculpt to it. Uh, it's got the little uh, fasteners on the uh, shoulders, very cool looking Cape, but then his accessories, for some reason he has two pirate guns, which I guess go with his pirate shirt. Uh, one of the televiper. Which I guess it's, it's a fine reuse of that accessory because you could figure that would be like a brainwave scanner, mm -hmm. like sure, a, sure. A, a mobile brainwave scanner, but it doesn't have the hose. No, and no. You know how I feel about hoses. <laughs> uh, and then he comes with a shotgun with the big stupid sound chip activator thing stuck to it, which is just garbage. Uh, now, during this time period, I was not a fan of the toy industry moving into sculpted capes. I understand why they did it for yeah, aesthetic yeah. reasons, but most of the time, the plastic capes hindered articulation but this cape does not look like it was in his way at all like it looks like it just hangs off the back of him doesn't curve around or anything so well and that was the, that's the I'm good thing about the cape. that's the good thing about this one is is it's removable without leaving like any significant holes or anything on the figure so it didn't really interfere with their articulation but also you could just take it off completely and the figure is still playable still good uh, and yeah, there we could do a whole episode about soft good capes versus plastic capes. Uh, and I, I don't know what my feeling is because if you're a collector of DC Universe classics, plastic capes are horrible, but the ones that like soft goods aren't going to look right on those either. I don't know what the answer is, but we got to move on because we're not yep. here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Dr. Mindbender. Uh, I like this design quite a bit. I would have been satisfied if the classified version had adapted this design. I would have been okay with that. I'm, I'm glad they went with, with the OG. So we get a repaint of that one that's in much less interesting colors, but has like almost Python patrol looking pants on. Which that's what weird. I was going to say is like, is he supposed to be like a Python patrol uh, even though they weren't doing Python Patrol, at well, this point. weird, weird repaints were a thing. Like almost all of the figures that came out in 2002 got repaints in 2003, uh, and they were all 
just odd. Like none of them were necessarily, oh, that's cool. I'm glad they did that variation. They were literally just somebody looked at a palette of colors and were like, okay, instead of purple, we're doing this weird reddish brown. Instead of gray, we're doing dark gray with a pattern. Like there, there's no rhyme or reason to the way they did these repaints. Uh, I don't prefer this one. It's not terrible, but I, I don't care for the, it. The way they painted the Cobra symbols on the the top part of his gloves almost make it seem like if you had just moved those down to his fingers, they would be like these breasts. These cobra-shaped brass knuckles. Like King Ed Rock <laughs> knuckle ring. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I almost would have just left those black because painting them gold just yeah. makes them really point out how useless they are unless he's backhanding somebody. I don't think that I have this version uh, because a lot of the repaints I just skipped because there was just no point. Because typically, while the original... When, when they were doing the new sculpt stuff, there would be you like that last one looked mind bendery color wise, whereas this one just doesn't. And I think I passed on most of these repaints that they did. Uh, and he comes with the same accessories, just in different colors. Uh, cape is red. It's whatever. They added a knife. Yes. Then we get what many consider to be a pretty definitive version of Mindbender. Uh, in 2004, as part of the Valor versus Venom line, we get, okay, so Lab Coat Mindbender. I like that. Well, here's what's funny about this. So I would, I would love a Dr. Mindbender just in a full lab coat. What we have here, and it's honestly more appropriate, is more like a dentist's jacket. Like a, yeah, like a dentist's mm -hmm. smock. Right. And I know they were going for lab coat, but you can't do... This is the problem that I was thinking about before with doing a lab coat in O-ring or even in reaction. How do you do a long lab coat like that without it being like an, a, a, a Kenner Obi-Wan Kenobi style thing. Well, technology is advanced now where you absolutely could do it, where it's just a softer plastic, where you have this, if, if you look at um, like the figure arts or Figma figures, they just have long slits, like, like the front piece and the back piece are two separate pieces, but the front piece overlaps. So but when see, you look at it straight on, it looks like a lab coat. But at or, some know. point, you're losing the integrity of the aesthetics. Well, and I, so sure, depending on what pose you put it in, but especially with well, him, no. But I'm saying, if you're trying to do a retro O-ring or a retro Kenner style line, mm -hmm. there's only so far you can go with that kind of thing that still feels true. They uh the same year in 2004, and because I actually have this figure, they did a McDonald's Happy Meal toy version of this one. <laughs> and if you look him up, he's his actually like the lab coat goes down further 
down to about like a normal lab coat length and it's split with his leg articulation. So if you look up McDonald's, uh, Dr. Mindbender, you'll see that figure. Oh, and you know what? So that's okay. That's what they can do is basically, uh, if you think of the clash of the Titans, Oh, here, here, right here. Uh, this is not going to be helpful for our listeners, but the new retro style Boba Fett, mm-hmm. if you can see the way his pants are done, where they go down his legs, like if they just do a lab coat that just goes all the way down the legs, just like that, or like the Clash of the Titans Grim Reaper figure, um, that's the way to do it. You're absolutely uh- right. That's, we that's... may have to save this for another episode, but I just want to put the energy out there. Uh, Hasbro, I need an, a real version of this McDonald's Mindbender tank <laughs> with, with the Cobra. Yes, with the on Cobra the on the front. Um, that's actually kind of cool looking. And you know what, Noel? I'm glad you brought this up because these are both versions of Dr. Mindbender that we should be discussing in America's Elite. So mm-hmm. these are both McDonald's Happy Meal premiums, which it's it's kind of crazy to think that in 2004 there were G.I. Joe Happy Meal toys. Yeah, because there was not really a big mainstream groundswell of G.I. Joe in 2004 but there was tons of gi joe product mm-hmm. um so there is a dr mindbender figure that noel you were talking about where the lab coat goes down to just above the knee and is is just part of the leg but it still has that leg or it's a t crotch but it has that leg articulation uh and then this weird little tank vehicle that is it's almost like a ferret that you sit in, but it has a big cobra on the front. And I would buy a 118th scale version of this vehicle in a second. <laughs> For sure. Well, and the, the I mean the Happy Mill figures are essentially 118th scale. They were three and three quarters. What's on his back? So Does he's he got like a, water or something? I think there was a so I just have the figure loose. So I didn't, I didn't, well, I never acquired any of the stuff no, that came with it. No, it's part him. of the figure. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that I don't know if what, atta- like if anything attached to that or anything. Oh, okay. Oh, it looks like he's got a big backpack. I'm trying to find a. Oh, a, yeah. A I'm looking at a bagged one. It says Dr. Mindbender and Venom Watch Squirter. Yes. So this big purple and green, and you know, I love that thing attaches to his back and it looks like it flips up and squirts water or venom since this is valor versus venom wow okay i've got to get one of these as well i can't believe i didn't get these at the time because i was collecting like i was actively collecting joe at the time and i was certainly actively eating mcdonald's Actually, just realized I not only have one of these loose, I've got one. You've just got one bag? 
I've got one bag that I got for 19 cents at a thrift store. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I mean, it is essentially, I'm just going to carry uh, hold up another three and three quarter figure. It's a three and three quarter inch figure. And this comes with this little uh, my, snake pod thing. My guess is that I was being the snobby snob that I could be in 2004. And I looked at these and I was like, these aren't real action figures. <laughs> and just didn't get them because I wasn't as fun back then as I am now. That's my guess. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Excellent diversion. But we must return to the official Hasbro releases. Uh, so this 2004 uh, Dr. Mindbender, he's got the kind of short dentist jacket on. Uh, for the time pretty good design still looks evil still looks like dr mindbender uh he's got the little cobra logo on his jacket pocket like, man this thing really is like a dentist smock deal like it really is designed that way mm -hmm. uh and he included a laptop with two test tubes and once again they've gone with the two pistol thing why do they think dr mindbender is such a gunslinger <laughs> maybe so it's the weird. mustache you just see that mustache you think that guy must just love revolvers i <laughs> i guess so uh but what's cool is the laptop uh the test tubes slotted into the sides of the laptop like the screen mm -hmm. so there's a good bit of play value here with just things to interact with uh, and he was uh, in a, because everything was two packs then. He came with our pal from Spy Troops, High Tech. <laughs> Who we thought was going to be a big, big character. And then he just disappeared. Just was nothing. So it would be five years before we got another Dr. Mindbender. And this would be the 25th anniversary style Mindbender. But what's interesting is he didn't get any kind of single card release. He was only available in the defense of Cobra Island box set. Yep. Hmm. Uh, so they kind of cobbled together some parts and gave us what I think is a, a pretty darn good 25th anniversary style linebacker. Uh, he's got the, the web gear to simulate his steel suspenders. He's got the soft goods cape. He has the prod, but nothing else. No hose, which is not cool, mm. and no generator. Just the prod. His hate fuels it now. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's if you're if you're a collector of that era, which I was, uh, this is a great figure to have. Christian, you've got you were collecting at this time. If you got, I was. However, I tended to not get the box sets because most oh, of them were just re-releases of, the of figures. Though. They were just re-releases of figures and by then I had my, you know, well, I don't need multiple versions. So oh. I made the mistake of saying, well, I'll just get this whenever it goes on clearance, which it did not. And it is one of my regrets to this day. And even now, I mean, go on eBay and try to buy this yeah and you're you're paying a crazy premium 
yeah, for a I, single figure. I bought a bunch of the box sets back then and wound up selling them on eBay later just because they were just taking up space in my closet and then went back and bought them again on eBay years <laughs> later <laughs> just because, well, actually, the ones that had the little shelf talkers, the little, the little oh, voice yeah, boxes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to have those just so I could have those, the little G.I. Joe and Cobra talking voice uh, boxes. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I had this box set and wound up selling it probably about 15 years ago. Oh, I mean, this was a great set and I was troop building ago. at the time, so I didn't mind getting it. Well, this, this set, the only thing in here that had seen a single card release at this point was the Cobra bat, but this bat had, uh, the canister on its back and had a different paint scheme than the regular bats. So everything in this set was something that at this point I did not have. And the same thing with assault on Cobra Island, the Joe set that went with this. And I think these were, I think these were big bad toy store exclusive. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe that's correct. Uh, but anyway, I, I loved this set. Uh, I, I was a big fan of it. And this mind bender, it, it's not the, best but you gotta have him i hate his skinny i hate his skinny little legs he's got the kevin nash legs going on (laughs) well that's just because he's running around shirtless he wants you to look at those huge pecs he skips legs he skips leg day well you you can't (laughs) if if you're going to discuss 25th anniversary style stuff you you really can't get into proportions too much because it's all over the place which at the time I was not cognizant of at all. All the all the stuff I look at now where I'm like, man, these are some wonky looking figures. I just wasn't realizing that at the time for whatever reason. All right. And then finally, our last Dr. Mindbender. Yes. The, I mean, this one's a beauty. Uh, this was a G.I. Joe Collectors Club exclusive, which means I do not have it. I was not going to have it. There was no way I was going to pay whatever they were charging for it. But this, he's, I mean, he's dressed like Prince. <laughs> he's got a big purple jacket with furry trim. Uh, he comes with the prod and the hose. And the hose. He's got a really unique looking pistol. He's got a great looking. Okay. Is that sci-fi's backpack repainted? No. What is that? I think it is. Uh, is it sci-fi's? Backpack. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with a beautiful paint job on it. It's purple with like silver details, red, black, like tons of paint for an yeah, accessory. Multiple paint applications on it. That's something you don't see a lot. No, definitely not. But I mean, that's why, you know, they were charging a premium for this stuff. Then a laptop. The laptop could have used some paint accessory paint applications. Well, it's but... got it's got the red cobra logo on the top, but oh, yeah, yeah, on the outside it, of it. But yeah, the it inside could have used at least a decal uh, yes, on the screen. Something. Uh, but this is a great looking mind bender. It's not one that I would ever consider essential, but it is very cool looking. And if if I could have it for a decent price, I would get it. But I'm sure it sells for like a hundred bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And it was thirty two carded initially when it was first offered by the collector's club 25 bag i remember this i it was one that i this was the year before i think i joined the collector's club um because this was the year they were in springfield and we thought about going to springfield but 
there's no airport anywhere near Springfield. Oh, really? No, you had to fly into like Chicago or St. Louis and drive there. And it just was like, that's uh, because Cobra controls all, all of the egress and, and entry. Well, same Springfield. thing when they did Loveland, Colorado, you had to fly into Denver and then drive 90 minutes north to Loveland. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Boy. Some of those, some of those uh, Joe Con locations were not ideal for your casual traveler, especially when you're hauling boxes and boxes of costumes. So this is a great mind bender. I would love to see this look represented in some affordable fashion, whether we get it from Super 7 or the new O-Rings or Classified or whatever. I would love to have this look, but I'm not paying premium collector's club aftermarket prices to get it. And that brings us, uh, unless you guys found some other mind benders out there, I don't no, think there was a Sigma a, Six. I did a quick search, there was no Sigma Six mind bender. Um, we didn't get any kind of 12 inch ones or anything. Like, mm-hmm. he's as it's funny, as prolific as his character is, he has had a relatively small number of figures. Uh, All right. Well, that brings us to the portion where we must each choose our favorite mind bender. Uh, Noel, which which is your go to Dr. Mindbender? Well, my go to Dr. Mindbender is going to have to be the OG. There's just no other there's just no other way to 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 go with that i mean obviously this was the one figure that i've i've had in my life as a kid um of course he was one of the got one that got tons and tons of play and it's still such an iconic look to the point where now we're getting a classified figure that is just essentially uh them upscaling this figure into a into a six inch figure so uh yeah i don't think it can be beat but i will say that 2015 dr mindbender is a beautiful figure, of course, taken from G.I. Joe the movie, um, that aesthetic. And uh, I would love to have seen that figure get a little bit more practical release. And it has a great portrait as well. We didn't really talk about the head yeah. sculpt. Uh, probably, Ten times better than the one that came out in 2015. Uh, yeah. Or sorry, pro- 2009. Probably the best Mindbender head sculpt we've yeah. seen. Uh, I'm going to agree the original Mindbender is is the best that we've got. Now, once the classified is out, uh, I'm sure I'll be very happy with it. But I got to say, honestly, looking at this and thinking, well, if I only had one in my collection, that original is still going to win. Christian, what about you? It's the OG. When you look at people that dress up as Dr. Mindbender, you don't see any other versions. Uh, you do, but you're oh, you're well, not that excited. my friends, <laughs> you're, you're not that excited about it. You're yeah, like, oh, yeah. I've the seen, lab coat, Doctor. Right, I've seen lab Have coat really? vendors, but it's not it's not as delightful as seeing some jacked dude who has decided that this evil orthodontist is his subject of cosplay. Yes, yes. We you know we've we've got in in the finest. We have both lab coat and shirtless uh crazy orthodontist versions and uh, i gotta say the ones who get the most comments are the ones that that go for go for the gusto absolutely all right guys well it's time to move on
Welcome to Beyond the 80s, where we go a little bit outside of our comfort zone and focus on an element of G.I. Joe that came out outside of our beloved 1980s. And uh, as we were discussing on a very recent episode, um, although this is not directly related to G.I. Joe, um, we just recently got a, an announcement. And actually, uh, as I'm recording this, in one hour and 45 minutes, it goes on sale and I will be buying it. Uh, Lego is doing an officially licensed Optimus Prime. Um, it's the first time that Hasbro has ever had one of their licensed properties get produced by Lego. So I'm very excited about that. We did discuss the possibility of G.I. Joe joining that, although that seems a lot less likely just because Lego does tend to shy away from more realistic military style uh, toys. But it led us to some speculation as to what that might be. And it also kind of led us down to discussing some previous uh, tie-ins with building toys that uh, have been done by Hasbro. In fact, G.I. Joe is done it three times um two of them were actually hasbro products uh most recently of course we have seen the forever clever construction kits which uh that's about as much as we want to talk about them as me mentioning them <laughs> they, hey they're worth it <laughs> they, well, if you buy them on a deep deep clearance at uh, home goods or ross maybe. i mean they're kind of already on deep deep clearance <laughs> yeah so um of course Creo was the more recent official release from Hasbro, but they really in... tried to push that too. We'll yep. talk about Creo another day. Yeah, but in 2003, Lego released, or sorry, not Lego, I'm sorry, Hasbro released uh, not just G.I. Joe, but a couple of other lines as well as the Built to Rule line, um, which of course were building brick compatible with lego and other related building toys um these uh like i said transformers also got their own line tonka also got some built to rule vehicles um with gi joe specifically they were focused on vehicles that had two modes uh at least two modes some of them had more uh and they came with figures that were specially modified uh they were remolds of existing figures for the most part they had specially modified forearms and shins that you could attach building blocks to. So you could just take a, uh, for instance, your little Duke figure and uh, take a Lego tile. And um, it took a little finagling because the plastic was not quite the same uh, quality as your Lego, but you could attach it to your little arm and do whatever you wanted to now, with it. Now, Noel, Noel, let me ask you this. Why? Well, because why not? <laughs> why? I mean, really, there why is do no... you need to attach a, a built a, a we're, we're going to call them BTR bricks? Why would you need to attach a BTR brick to your GI Joe figure's calf or forearm? That is a good question, and while that <laughs> that I will never be able to answer, there is one uh, innovation that came with this that I do rather like. As somebody who has a lot of Lego. Um, the foot pegs were not your standard foot peg. They actually fit Lego uh, style that, studs. It's practical. That, yes, that so is good. If you have a little like Lego piece here, you could use it as a footstool or a foot uh, a 
you know, a footstand, a whatever. battle stand, battle stand, whatever the, the guy said on that yeah, one, mu- whatever mustache guy called him. I think he threw me foot- off years ago. So. I think he, I think he called them footstands. <laughs> footstands. Yeah. It's been in my head ever since. So yeah, um, <laughs> this, this was quite uh, an experiment. It was not very successful. Uh, it existed from 2003 to 2005, but in reality, it really only existed in 2003 um 2004 um only two of the vehicles got regular releases and we'll discuss those here in a few moments uh 2003 was the only one with the full release and 2005 there was only one uh set that came out in that year and it's apparently very very hard to find so uh, as i mentioned when we were talking about dr mindbender i was actively collecting in this era but this at the time, this did not work for me at all. These giant studs on the forearms and the, on the calves made the figures worthless to me. And the vehicles, well, honestly, the studs all over the vehicles too. I, I, this, I could not accept this at all. And again, I was being a snob because this is a fantastic toy idea. It really is. This is a worthy line. Any any kind of building like this, especially to adapt it to G.I. Joe vehicles. Now, granted, these are all new vehicles, but there's no reason they shouldn't be. Uh, I love the concept of this line now. At the time, I was like, bleh, this isn't G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I think I was such a toy snob when this came out that it never even registered with me. Like I had completely blocked this from my brain until Noel had mentioned it. And when I looked it up, I was like, wait, how do I not know that these existed since I was so heavy collecting back then? Oh, I I very clearly remember them and very clearly remember thinking very, I I, I was not, I did not have kind thoughts about built to rule. (laughs) Yeah. I, I passed. I think I bought one when it was on clearance at Toys R Us uh, of the GI Joe ones. I did have a couple of the Transformers ones that, again, also clearance at Toys R Us. Um, they were not very good toys, especially the Transformers ones, because they didn't really transform. You had to take them apart and put them back together, which right, to me right. defeated the idea of having transformable Lego-based uh, toys. And we discussed that with the Optimus Prime. It's the first time that they've really ever done a fully transforming transformer built out of bricks and of course it took two attempts by hasbro uh, to finally let lego get it right but you know with these you know you had your your multiple vehicles and the idea was that you know you got a you got a vehicle and you you had one mode and then you could take it apart and put it together and make another mode and almost in all cases that second mode was some variation of a dune buggy um <laughs> no matter what it was well who doesn't like a dune buggy you had a tank or a dune buggy a submarine or a dune buggy a helicopter or a swamp buggy uh, <laughs> uh an assault quad which is just a dune buggy or a land luge whatever that is land luge uh, you get a, a hovercraft that breaks down to four different attack vehicles one of which is a dune buggy uh <laughs> so you know you you did what you could with with these figures uh, and these and these uh, these not so great building blocks, um, and if you're a big fan of Lego and you know that most most of what Lego produces are 
individual small parts that you can put together in lots of combinations. Um, most of what came out with Built to Rule were what are giant shell pieces. Um, right. In, in the world of Lego, they have a term called burps, which is big, ugly rock pieces, um, which are just essentially giant pieces that are really only serve one purpose. And that's what most of the parts that came with these are. There were a few little smaller brick pieces, but for the most part, these were larger pieces that you put together uh, that just happen to have those Lego uh, style studs on them. But I think... I think this was a good idea. I think it was a good attempt at cultivating new fans. And if you remember, uh, gosh, the early 80s, maybe. I want to say it was Fisher Price put out. They weren't quite model kits, but they were toy vehicles that you had to assemble. There was a Space Explorer there were a few other sets that were, they, they weren't building block kits, but it was like a very, very simple model kit where it came in pieces and you put it together. And this to me is somewhat reminiscent of that while also being obviously trying to be like Lego. Uh, I, I just, I can't be as mad at this now as I was back then. I think it's a really cool concept that just didn't quite have a place in the market. But there are some very cool vehicle designs here that I would buy as just regular vehicles. Yeah. The uh, the Raging Typhoon particularly looks really, really cool. Yeah, that's the, the, the hovercraft mode of that. If that were just a regular released G.I. Joe figure, any G.I. Joe vehicle, and if it had the kind of the gimmick where it's a hovercraft that breaks apart into smaller vehicles. It's almost like a battle force 2000 kind of thing, except that it works, right? That they they don't just sit next to each other. They actually (laughs) attach to one another. Uh, That would have, you know, that would have been a really, really cool concept. And actually, if you check out, I know we've, we've plugged Joe a day before on this, uh, on this podcast, but if you check out Joe a day.com and look up uh, built to rule on there, they review several of these sets and they did a really great job of coming up with some really cool alternate modes. Some of which are very like resemble very closely actual GI Joe um, vehicles. So that's a, it's a cool thing to check out if you get a chance. So when you told me this was your pick, my plan had been to order a couple of sets uh, and, and play with them before we actually talked about this. The problem I ran into on eBay is all of the sets that I was interested in, because I, I didn't want to buy one loose. I wanted to buy mint in box, but all of the ones that were presented as mint in box had clearly been opened. Mm. So I ended up not, I just didn't ever find one that I felt like the price worked and the, and the shipment time and everything else. So I, I did not end up getting a set. But I still would like to get a Raging Typhoon. Um, I also pr- dig the uh, Depth Ray because I just like underwater vehicles. I think that thing looks cool. But I'd also be open to just a cheaper set. Although, again, we're going to be at Joe Fest in just a few weeks here. And somebody is going to have a table of these things <laughs> at Joe Fest. Yeah, and there's a couple of the smaller ones too, like the Cobra Moccasin. 
is a cool looking little vehicle um that gets uh you know almost like a like a uh hydro sled type thing where it runs on skis um and what i what i thought's kind of odd is that most of these are brand new designs for vehicles they didn't right. incorporate a lot of the existing ones there is a patriot grizzly there is with a his- high tech our friend with, high tech with high tech uh there's a there's a um a uh firebat with an avac but it comes with another set um and then of course there is um the, the his tank you got to do a his tank and the his tank is what you would imagine a knockoff lego his tank would look like and it comes <laughs> with a cobra commander um but it's still one that i wouldn't mind getting my hands it on. it looks it's, pretty good it's it's still yeah. a kind of a neat take on the his tank I got to say, I actually think it was a pretty smart decision to avoid known designs for the most part, because then if you are a G.I. Joe fan, you don't look at it and go, I know what a vamp looks like, and that's not a vamp. Like, I, I think they were smart to mostly do original designs with these. I am totally digging the headquarters attack playset. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the outside of just the building block aspect, but it's like very modular. Like when I first saw it, I when I did a Google search, I thought it was Fort Carrium from Brave Star. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so this would be a set that I would be interested in getting in uh, just to be able to have a base that you could change around. I, I kind of like, when I looked at this, I was like, it looks like it's it's a G.I. Joe base that's built out of old shipping containers. Like this mm-hmm. could like this could have been something from Ready Player One. <laughs> uh, but uh, This is kind of almost like what they did in the comics, you know? Let's fly out some ITELs. Well, and when it, you it, open them up, boom, you, you build your, your headquarters. It is essentially what they, because the, the comics, like you're saying, took the original headquarters playset and made it this modular thing. Mm-hmm. They flew to that plateau and just set up. And this is very much that, mm-hmm. which is cool. I like it. Imagine, okay, so looking at this headquarters attack, Imagine rather than being all those different colors, it was all just the steel color of the headquarters. Like it would be, a, it would be a cool presentation. I, 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 I dig I, it. I like the colors that it is now. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I think if it. it was all just like a metal gray, it would actually lose some of its luster. This looks like something again that you would just put together out in the field it's it's you know a temporary headquarters versus just all the same color i i think well, that this, would just this is very bland this is more appealing as a toy mm-hmm. but if i wanted it as a functional like companion to my gi joe collection i would want it to be some kind of uniform well, and it kind of oh. does remind me a little bit of the 1992 GI Joe headquarters. Yes, um, yeah. it's got it's got more of the pronounced greens and the the earth tones, but um, mm-hmm. but that one also had multiple colors. It was mainly that gray color, like the original 83 HQ, but with 
with more color variety on it. So let's see, what did we have in 2005? 2005, you had the Freedom Defense Outpost, um, which G.I. Joe stole, Hasbro stole it directly from my dreams because this was, (laughs) (laughs) so this is almost identical to a a toy that I designed when I was like 12 years old called the Stilt Hog that was a (laughs) little battle station on legs and as soon as I saw this, I was like, wow, that's really close to what I designed. So this is cool because it kind of combined. Well, it kind of takes the, uh, uh, what is the, the checkpoint, the toll booth? What the heck is that thing called? The uh, yeah, checkpoint. Thing. Yeah. It kind of yeah, combines outpost. the checkpoint with the, uh, outpost, defender. outpost, defender. Oh, outpost <laughs> defender. like a little thing opens up and your little vehicle rolls out of there. Yeah. Like it, it's, this is neat. And again, I'm not a fan of the multiple colors, but if this was released as like a, a regular playset type thing, a little more standardized, I'd be down with this. And anything that shoots a motorcycle out is great by me. Yeah. Just just like the whale. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there are any other standouts here. Obviously, the Patriot Grizzly is something we, that we actually saw in Spy Troops. Uh, Sledgehammer pretty cool little tank Uh, several of these designs i could really see as just standard vehicles Mm -hmm. and the ground striker is essentially very much like a couple of the different humvee toys that they released i think there's a couple of them too like they they did a they did a locust in 2003 that could have easily been a fang instead um, and it could have been like a Fang slash Fang 2 because both modes are very similar to the two versions of the Fang, but they only released it as a, and I'm pretty sure the Locust is the one that I had because I think that hollow, that hollow point figure I have somewhere in storage with the parts for this, for that Locust. So out of the figures, uh, as you said, they're basically just existing figures that they've added different calves and forearms onto, uh, I'm a big fan of the wild weasel design. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I like the jacket addition to him. I think it looks cool. Uh, I find the squat little frostbite very amusing. And I, I don't, I don't remember the regular version of frostbite being quite that short and squatty <laughs> but i i suppose maybe he was because i i don't think the bulk of these are new tooling because you can even see they've taken some of the t crotches some of the uh the not o-ring but the o-ring style that the line changed into later on like they've just mixed everything together here and for the most part too they've so they've changed up the looks on a lot of these characters they didn't keep like the iconic 80s looks with like one really odd exception which is the blowtorch yeah right right which who, it, who comes with the race <laughs> or no the uh the, the yeah, the typhoon. yeah so you know you think hovercraft you think of flamethrower uh why not throw them <laughs> in there but yeah i mean that that blowtorch is a clear nod to the 1984 blowtorch so uh i mean, obviously like you you got your cobra commander and your snake eyes which are going to kind of have you know pretty iconic designs uh, yeah, always throughout the years but uh, yeah the blowtorch is an oddball because i don't i don't even think there was another blowtorch 
prior to if there was was with with there was one probably released that this I one would, was based on in 2000 I would be willing to say this is this is the second version of Blowtorch. I mean it's called Blowtorch V1 here. Well, and that's the thing is that none of these on yojo.com are listed as versions. So these don't show up on your list of action figures. Right. And but right. see, I don't think there was a Blowtorch release with Valor versus Venom. I think this is the only I'm looking right now. This says it is a modified blowtorch version two from 2002, which okay. So there was probably a Valor versus Venom or oh god spy troops version. Whoa, they just blowtorch is weird. (laughs) Well, so so take a look at because I was like, oh, I actually like the um the cobra moray and then i was like well who's the guy in the sci-fi looking kind of jacket oh that's wetsuit why would wetsuit have on like a half waiter's jacket with puffy sleeves (laughs) but then when you click on the wetsuit that he's based off of from 2002 it looks like a totally different figure yeah i'm interested in some of the differences here because the blowtorch is is I mean, he is a repaint, but he looks drastically different. But it is just a repaint, like I said, with the studded, you know, right. limbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what an interesting concept! I would love to interview whoever was behind this line. It'd be very interesting to talk to them and find out how they made some of the decisions that they made. Uh, so I think we got to go through now and if you could pick one set, one built to rule set to magically just appear in front of you right now, Christian, which set would it be? It would be the headquarters attack. Noel, what about you? Now, Noel, you've, you've actually got some of these sets, right? And then, so I I think the Locust is the only one that I ever bought in the store. Oh, wow, store. okay. Um, these figures that I have, I've got the Wild Weasel and I've got the, the V1 Duke, and I think I got those just in lots of loose Joe figures that I found okay, at some okay. point. Um, but if I, if I were to be able to pick one, of, pick one of these up just to have it in front of me, it would definitely be that Raging Typhoon. Uh, it's the it's the one that I definitely look at and say that's a cool looking vehicle that has a cool gimmick to it, and um, it has a throwback figure, the blowtorch. So yeah, yeah, all the above. Uh, I would as much as I love the raging typhoon and the depth ray, depth ray. Come on, guys. <laughs> I think I'd go for the armadillo assault just for sheer size. That thing looks huge and i would love to put that together and just have it as a just a big piece uh almost like a conversation piece like whoa look at that gi joe vehicle wait a minute why does it have lego things on it (laughs) it's a very interesting looking thing and it looks like it's got a lot of functionality as well yeah and it also comes with literally the worst duke figure i've ever seen which is the (laughs) one i got right in front of me right here (laughs) there he is. he is Yeah. Look at his weird short sleeve shirt with his long sleeve shirt underneath his short sleeve shirt. 
<laughs> yeah, the Armadillo Assault is kind of a neat looking vehicle. It actually, looking at it, kind of reminds me if you ever did you ever have the big track? Yeah. Um, the little programmable, uh, like futuristic vehicle. Oh, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I never had one. That's, that's kind of the first yeah. thing I think about when I see this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, there it is. Built to rule. Uh, for anybody listening, I recommend you go on go on eBay, find yourself a cheapo built to rule set, and just order that thing. Or if you're going, yeah. To when I was looking at them, when you look at what the original SRPs are from what they're going on eBay, uh, they're actually not that far off. So you can yeah, there's they're, some good they're, deals. They're very reasonable. The ones that I was looking at that were the vehicles I wanted, it was honestly principal because I was annoyed because I could tell they had been opened. Oh, it's for like sure. the figure was out of place, but it said mint in box. And I was like, you were a liar. Uh, well, and that's always the risk whenever right. you're buying like loose or open Legos is it shows up and it's missing that one piece. So. Right. And I'm not taking that chance. Uh, so that is built to rule. Uh, you know, didn't appreciate it at the time, but looking back, it's pretty fun stuff and, and all relatively affordable now, especially I think if you go to a convention and find some in person, I think you can probably get some good deals on it. I, I imagine if a dealer has some built to rule, you could probably clean them out. They'd be more than happy to say, you know what? I'll give it all to you for this. <laughs> They're tired of carrying it for the past 20 years. <laughs> right, right. Oh gosh, it, it has been almost 20 years. I can feel myself dying now. <laughs> <laughs> it's why I'm here. <laughs> Ugh. All right, this is Knowing is Half the Babble, where we each get a little bit of time to talk about anything that we want. I'm going to kick it off this time uh, because I I feel bad, you guys. I have some guilt in my heart. I was a little too harsh uh, a couple episodes ago uh, about mint and box collectors. I was a little mean to those guys, and, and they're all... We're all part of the same G.I. Joe community. Everybody's important. We all love G.I. Joe. We should appreciate all eras of G.I. Joe. We should appreciate all G.I. Joe collections. Uh, And whether we collect mint in box or loose or built to rule or whatever the case may be, we're all on the same team because we want to support this brand and get as much G.I. Joe out in the world as possible for us to buy. So if if you're an 80s collector and you hate reaction, if you're a classified collector and you hate the 12-inch Joes, just everybody just chill out and know that just because you love one portion of Joe doesn't mean you have to dislike any other portion of Joe. We're all in a big Joe family, which is really just a tiny portion of the toy collecting world. So we got to stick together and appreciate uh, that thing that we love so much. And that's that's why Joe Fest is such a great thing, because all different kinds of collectors can come together and celebrate Joe in person and see, you know, maybe if you don't appreciate built to rule, you go to the table, you're like, wait a minute, this tank looks kind of cool. And I got to go back to the hotel room. Wouldn't it be nice to have something to sit down and put together uh, before I go to sleep and, and uh, just be a fun thing to do. Check out different parts of GI Joe that maybe you've never looked at before. And you might find us something new that will tickle your fancy. 
Christian, babble away. Or not. I think Christian's got us muted. I seem to have lost audio. I'm going to exit out and back in. Noel, babble away. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, nothing too uh, exciting on mine. It's just one of those, like, the the missed opportunities. I've been kind of uh, hunting eBay for certain items still missing from my collection and one thing that i've had my eye on is a bivouac because i never had a bivouac and of course if i'm gonna buy something like that that comes with lots of little parts you want the right. thing complete yeah you yeah. gotta have them all and there's a bunch of them that are like you know near complete or like oh one part is missing or one part is broken or it says it's complete but there's definitely something important missing from it and if you find one that's actually complete it's usually you know i mean 65 dollars for one in good condition and for something that's like this big it's kind of hard for me to um you know to justify that 25 bucks on mercari shipped 25 shipped on mercari okay, i got well. lucky as heck wow and so you're, that's not current that's what you got yours for even have even has the little canteen that gets lost uh-huh nothing is broken because i've seen ones where these hooks are broken off i've there's so many things to lose and damage on this the even the little uh the rocket launcher deal the little teeth you know that hold Mm -hmm. it in place as you position it those things wear out this is a difficult thing to get in decent condition yep absolutely and somehow i saw one and i was like well this one's been edging up just a dollar or two at a time and let me do it the watch it now. It's going to end like on a Saturday morning. And I did not put a bid in. And it sold for like $23 plus six shipping. Uh, and it was one that just flew under the radar. And But I had my eye on it. And I still like, I kicked myself when I got the notification when I woke up and says like, your item is about to end. Place your bid now. And then your item ended. Here's another chance. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> Always, always for the listeners, always put the bid in. Always, always put, the bid, put in. the bid in. And I do that all the time too, though. All the time, I'm like, well, I'll just remember to watch this. And exactly what you just said, you wake up or or like finish dinner or whatever, and you see the email, your item is ending, bid now. And you're like, oh man. And you click it, and the item ended like an hour ago. And you're like, ah. Yep. So again, word of, you know, just, just word of advice. If you want it and it's out there, uh, put your bid in. Always put the bid in. Put the bid in. I, I've I've won many an auction by playing sniper, but you're just so frustrated when someone else comes along, does it at the end. It's just not worth it. It's not well, worth the stress. I, I mean, it, I I enjoy it because I when I anytime I'm trying to sn- and look, I, I I think there are people who get really really mad about people who snipe, but I mean that's how eBay works. That's yeah. part of it. Uh, and when I'm doing that, it's fully with the understanding that, that if I don't get it, I don't get it. I I enjoy that. Like, how far am I pushing my, (laughs) what I'm willing to spend on this? How quickly can I get in that last bid hat? Like 
that to me is almost as satisfying as actually winning the thing is just being in that process. And I don't do it often, but when I see the right thing at the right price with the right amount of time left, I can get, I can get caught up in that and really have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. But yes, always put the bid in, (laughs) put the bid in. Christian, are you, are you, have you figured out? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Uh, okay, so what I have for today, I wanted to give a shout out to the YouTube ah, YouTube channel uh, CT-Bill555, um, who has made G.I. Joe Operation Counterclock which is a stop motion little short film that he Ooh. made using G.I. Joe classified figures. So shout out to you, everybody give him some views and um, listeners. If you see this kind of stuff, please uh, share it with us and make us aware because I dig it. Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter at G.I. Joe audible or shoot a message to audible interlude podcast on Instagram uh and and give us a heads up or if you run a channel or another podcast or whatever uh let us know we'll give you a shout out on the show for sure we love that kind of cross promotion stuff uh well that is all we've got for this week Uh, our music is by andy sanford of electricminnowmusic.com as i said you can follow us on instagram at audible interlude podcast and twitter at gi joe audible uh, Noel, why don't you tell us about The Finest? The Finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming club, uh, of which I happen to be a member. And uh, we, of course, will be appearing at Joe Fest, raising money for a fantastic charity called Canines for Warriors. Uh, I uh, Now that I know that I'm going to be there for the whole weekend, which was something that I wasn't sure of because of my work schedule, uh, I think I'm going to actually haul out a costume because I haven't done, done it in a, in a little while since Dragon Con last year. So, uh, you know, I'll be, you, you may see me at the table helping to raise some money and, uh, yeah, getting some, some, uh, some money for a great, great cause. I will not be wearing a costume, but I will be wearing audible and uh, attractive and fashionable audible interlude, uh, sportswear. <laughs> I'm getting a hankering to pull one out that I've only ever worn one time. And it oh. is my, my favorite ridiculous GI Joe costume that I've ever put together. Oh, wow. I'm excited. Uh, Christian, where can we find those wonderful pictures? So you can find me on Instagram and Flickr.com under Legion Cub. Well, to you guys, thank you for sitting down and talking about G.I. Joe. To the listeners, thank you for your support. Uh, Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, yo, Joe. Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.